everybody. Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today we've got another track session featuring Lion Share. Dave Buring and Lori Jarvis talked with us about discipling our children. We've had many episodes about this topic, and Dave and Lori do a great job of shedding new light on this, as well as just reminding us of the urgency of discipling our kids. One thing in particular that really stood out to me in this episode is how they go in detail about how to train up our kids to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit at a young age. Fascinating stuff. All right, let's jump in and hear from Dave and Lori about going the next step to the next level of discipling our kids. Here we go. So this session is about discipling children. And uh, I'll introduce to you again, Laurie, who some of you met a few minutes ago. But but I want to um, just share some thoughts with you to start. And then we're going to have a little, a little dialogue uh, uh, related to children. But let me start, you know, with a story from Hawaii. So I would have been about 20 or 21 years of age and uh, serving with Youth of the Mission, and we're on the big island of Hawaii. It's a rough place to serve, but somebody needs to be called there, right? So so um, there is a ministry there on the base called King's Kids, and, uh, and it was from children from five years of age up to 18. And what they would do is they would do, you know, song, dance, all kinds of things, and they, they'd gone to China, they'd gone to Russia, I mean, just all kinds of doors had opened for these kids. Well, during the Christmas break, because they were all based there, there was probably about mm, 40 or 50 King's Kids. Uh, the leader of the, of the King's Kids came to me and said, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you go on the other side of the island, Hilo, which is a two-hour drive, and take this group of kids? There was about 20 of us. And, and there's a, the, Hi. Hi. I recognize that sound. Don't see it yet. But um, <clears throat> so... Um, so we go over to the Gila Lagoon Hotel. The manager of the Kona Lagoon was a Christian. She said, hey, would you guys go do this in the lobby at the Gila Lagoon? So we head to the Gila Lagoon Hotel, standing in the lobby, and this was the day of the boombox, right? So this is like 1980, so we're pressing buttons, and the kids are doing their songs and Christmas songs. And after about a half hour of just standing there, I didn't realize there was this guy standing behind me watching. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and I turned around. He said, hey, Dave, I'm so-and-so. Um, and he said, I, I run the lounge over here. It was kind of like the, this was the Don Ho Hawaii days. Or, hey, you know, you had kind of the lounge, you know, the, the buttons down to here with the gold chains. And, and he said, I, I run the lounge act over here, and I've been really moved by the kids. Could we bring them in, into the lounge? And I'm thinking parents right away, right? I'm 20, 21, thinking, oh, geez, what are the parents going to say? But he said, I, I, I would like to set a table up and just serve them Cokes to say thank you. And I'm seeing the sincerity of his heart, kind of know the lounge act. It wasn't, it was clean, but it was just kind of the, hey, you know. And so I said, okay, well, when we're done, we'll come over. And I'm just saying, Jesus, please help me. I don't need parents, you know, missionary parents chewing out Dave for taking them into the lounge. So we go in, the kids sit down, and sure enough, the guy's there, he's got, he's got Cokes for them and glasses with eye, and he's just serving the kid. He was sincerely grateful. So we're sitting down, just kind of enjoying, hey, how you doing, you know, and, and one of the Tongan girls who was about six years old, Layla, she came to and said, Mr. Dave, I said, yeah, Layla, she said, Jesus spoke to me that we're supposed to be on that stage. That in the YWAM culture, that's not an unusual thing, you know, of, of kids having that kind of sensitivity. And I said, really? I said, do you think we should go outside maybe and pray about it? She said, I think so. So, so I go to the manager and I say, Hey, we're just going to sneak out from it. We just need to talk about something. Then we'll be right back. He said, okay, good. And the show's going on. And so I go to the kids, Hey, just come here. So all 20 of us file out in the parking lot. It's now dark. You know, the lights are on there in the parking lot with cars parked there. And I get him in a circle. I said, Hey, Layla, why don't you tell them what you told me? She said, I told Mr. Dave that Jesus spoke to me that we're supposed to be on that stage. And so I look at all the kids and they go, okay, well, let's pray. And these are all five to 18 year olds. And so, okay, let's go for it. And so we just wait on the Lord and Lord, do you want us to be on that stage? And it's quiet for about a minute, minute and a half. And I look at them. I said, what is the Lord saying? And they all look at me and go, she heard from God. We think she's right. I said, okay, so here's the plan. We're going to go back into the room. You guys are going to sit down and sip on your Cokes 
and I and you pray while I go talk to the manager, to the guy that invited us in. So, so they we go in. I go find him and say, "Hey, hey," um, and I'm just asking the Lord, "Lord, how do you want me to express this?" So I just said, "Hey." Uh, the guy who was singing, his name was Rodney. And I said, hey, you know, if uh, Rodney's having a break or anything and you need the kids to sing, and he looks at me and goes, would they? I said, yeah, they would. And he said, okay, well, he's on a break in like five minutes. So I go back to the kids and, you know, they're like, yes, we heard from Jesus. You know, they were excited they had heard from God. And so Rodney's, hey, I'm going to take a break right now. And he goes down and, and the guy gets up and introduces, hey, we have from Kona the King's kids. And so the kids get up, we have our cassette and the kids think it's awesome because the way they had it rigged was that when the music on the cassette hit certain rhythms and beats, the lights matched. So the kids are kind of like, hey, you know, they're feeling it, you know, and they're just singing their Christmas songs. And so the environment is you got a stage here and then in front of the stage like this is a bar. And so people are just and then you have tables out here and our table is like back here. And it was a room, you know, uh, about this wide and maybe another 15 feet deep. And so the kids are singing, and, they're t and, and so in between songs, I'd bring two of them up and say, hey, Beth and Vicky, come here. Hey, what did you guys do this summer? We smuggled Bibles into China. You did what? And, you know, people are like, <laughs> you know, and the kids are just sharing their stories. Hey, what do you love most about Christmas? Do you like presents? Oh, I love presents. But what do you, what, what do you really love? Well, you know what the greatest present is, Dave? What? What, what is that? We, God sent his son, Jesus. And the kids just share. And all of a sudden, you sense God's presence in that lounge and you look at Rodney, he's got tears, and the, and the people are like, you know, I mean, God's presence shows up in that place. And as the kids walk off the stage after about 15 minutes, you know, everybody's applauding, and, and they're just like, I've never heard, oh my gosh, what these kids had to say, and the performer is undone, and you guys, as a 20, 21-year-old, I watched how God moved through children. And we often sell children short. They're kids. Just kind of keep them over here. We've got to unleash them in the name of Jesus. But we have to create a culture and an environment that would allow kids to rise to that and to be in that place where they realize the living God lives in me as much as he lives in Laurie. Like, right? The same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lived in little five or six-year-old Layla who could hear this impression inside of her that her family had cultivated within her. You know, when you get those, it's kind of like Eli and Samuel. You know, I love that story because Eli had some swings and misses, right? Three times. Uh, just go back to bed. <laughs> I didn't call you. And then it says finally, like the fourth time, he's going, oh, okay. Next time, if you hear that, say, Lord, your servant's listening. And, you know, you go from there. So I like, love that even Eli, you know, the priest was trying to figure it out, just like parents do and just like children's leaders do. But I wanted to share that story with you, and that's just one of, of dozens upon dozens that could be shared about King's Kids and what God did, because they were this, there was a culture amongst them that was an overflow of their missionary parents who they had poured into. And so their kids were sensitive to the Lord, and you watched God move through their lives. Would you like to see that? Like as a generation, we need to see that. And we need to see kids raised up like that. All right? So I want you just to think about that for a minute. Think about that in, you know, in, in the context in which you serve. So let me, let me give you some Barna stats so Laura's going to help me out here. So more than half of people who will ever accept Jesus as their Savior do so before the age of 12. Do you know that? It's an amazing statistic. Less than one quarter of current believers come to Christ after the age of 21. That's amazing. I mean, it speaks to, again, the priority of where we need to be spending our time. By the time a child turns nine years old, their basic moral foundation and worldview has been formed. These are like some of the latest Barna stats. By the time they turn nine, like my grandson, just last Saturday, we celebrated his eighth birthday. And so as I'm preparing for this, I'm thinking about, okay, so... You know, it, it's not something we get worked up in and locked in. Okay, now i got to spend a whole year. It, no, you, we want to be doing this thing, you know, right from the get-go and be investing. By age 13, a person has irrevocably formed the majority of their beliefs about the nature of God, the existence of Satan, the reliability of the Bible, what they believe about the afterlife, 
the deity, the salvation experience, and the importance of the Holy Spirit by age 13. Again, something for us just to be aware of as parents, as grandparents, as children's leaders. All right? Look at a couple of these things here. When asked how important is the children's ministry, this is a survey they did, and whether you remain involved in your current church, 62% of parents said it's very important. So close to two-thirds of parents are saying what's happening in children's ministry in our church is really important to whether or not we want to participate. So don't think of this as a consumer thing. Think of this as, as a connecting thing of where parents are at. 66% of parents said the children's ministry plays an important factor in whether they stay at church. When parents ranked the three greatest benefits their current children's ministry offers, by far the number one benefit was this. It helps my children develop a personal growing faith. Like, do we have, have any of us subtly reduced children's ministry to just entertain the kids so the parents can be discipled. If we think that way, it's a huge swing and a miss. We're missing out on the opportunity that God is wanting to put before us, okay? If these statistics are true, the church must recognize that what a child believes by the time they turn 13 years of age is most likely what they will believe for the rest of their life. Between the ages of 4 and 14, we have a window of opportunity to reach souls at the time they are most receptive to the gospel. So one of the th things that we've been hearing language-wise that I really like is we have to move beyond children's ministry to child discipleship. We have to think that way. How do we move beyond just thinking about children's ministry and what we do to how do we disciple a child in the things of God? So that, like Layla, they can be responsive when God speaks. So like the King's kids in that setting, they had the not only the courage, like none of them were like, oh, I don't know if we can get up there, the lights and all these people, and they're not Christian. Not one of them. They were just, God opened the door, we're going. And they boldly declared their Christian faith at a Christmas season where people who were drinking were like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. And the Holy Spirit's presence that just went and showed up in the room, it was like, wow, this is a holy moment. See, we need to see God move in that way, not only in our kids, but through our kids. Amen? So how do we get there? How do we get there? So I'm going to invite up Laurie Jarvis. So Laurie is my partner in children's ministry stuff with Discipleship Journey. So uh, we have a tool um, that's called a discipleship journey. That is um, something that's been out now for about 18, 19 years and is a tool that uh, helps adults grow in the ways of God. When you're traveling in our lion's share circles, one of the phrases you'll often hear is reflecting God's character and referencing God's ways. Okay, so often in discipling, what we think of is I got to get Bible verses crammed into a person. No, the Bible verses are meant to reveal God's character. So we can see him, so we can love him and trust him, right? It's also about getting to know the ways of God. So let me define that for you. When we say the ways of God, what we mean is how God goes about doing something. Okay, so what's the ways of God in being a husband? It's laying down your life for your wife. Okay, what's the ways of God when it comes to servanthood? The Bible says that that should be one of the marks of our life is we're a servant. What does the Bible say about how we receive grace. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. These are the, the kinds of things that represent the ways of God, how God goes about doing things. And that's part of our discipling process is discipling people to walk in God's ways. So in our world, because we deal a lot with vocations, it's like, okay, well, what's the ways of God on this subject for this particular vocation? How does it work? Like, for example, walking with artists here in Nashville, one of the things that I will say to them is, is, you know, this thing, like think of the stage in the other room here, this thing that you are often put upon and sing, you view this, the world views this as a stage and a stage is always all about you. This is for you as a follower of Jesus. It's not a stage. It's a platform. And when you step onto it, it's a platform God's given you to glorify him, to advance his kingdom. We'll see if artists can make that little tweak like that. Guess what? It's no longer about them. It's about God. 
And it's about God doing things in and through their life. Well, that's shaping them in the ways of God, how God thinks, how, where God's heart is and what God would do in that situation. And oftentimes that's where the shortage is. We have a bunch of people running around that know Bible verses, but they don't know how to translate it into the ways of God. Okay, what does that mean? What is the ways of God from that truth that I need to apply in this situation? So Discipleship Journey came out in 2004, and shortly after I started having parents and um, children's pastors and leaders say to me, so when are you going to do this for the kids? And, it was, and my comment all the time was, I really want that, but it has, I have to have a children's ministry person that will walk with us doing that. Well, it wasn't until 2015 at an event we were at in Cleveland, uh, the area um, you know, where, where Laurie is from, that she talked to me at a conference and said, would you be open to seeing this done in a kid's edition? And, and I knew, okay, I'm back here again. But this time it was different because she was all in. And so it's been something that we've worked on for the last six years because there was animation involved and all kinds of dis- things. But we just released something called the Discipleship Journey Kids. And it's a companion. So if the adults or mom and dad are going through Discipleship Journey, the adult edition, we've taken and simplified and really pulled out one main concept from that lesson <clears throat> for kids. Its targeted group is about six to ten years of age, but you can fudge it down to four or five with you know parents or even so like like Sonia was telling me she thought yeah if you can you can even skip the videos for the eleven and twelve year olds and do it with eleven and twelve because the content is really rich even into junior high age possibly all right and we'll show you some of that later so you just get a little a little snippet of it but um, Laurie has served for many years in working with children why don't you just tell them. Kind of, Laurie, just your journey in the different roles you've played in working with kids. Sure. So um, when my husband and I first got married 35 years ago, we were at a church in Finley, Ohio, where I served um, in the preschool and also ran their children's ministries. And then we moved to Lorain, Ohio, where I was children's pastor for a couple of years there. Then we were in Virginia where I was children's pastor for 11 years, and we saw some really awesome things there. And then we came to Akron, Ohio, where we were senior pastors, and I eventually took the role of principal of their school, which is what I've done for the last 11 years um, at the school, where I've also you know, worked with the children's ministry there, too. So, so, so Laurie brings lots of seasoned wisdom and experience to, to what we were working on. Let me, let me kind of go back to making a point here, and then I'm going to start asking Laurie some questions, and we'll, we'll show you some things and leave, leave time open for Q&A. So uh, the first question I'm going to ask Laurie about here in a minute is how she sees the world discipling our kids. Now, I don't know that you've ever thought of that language, the world discipling our kids, but just kind of ride with me a minute. Look at this quote. I think we've got this up here. Um, written by Peter Weiner from The Atlantic, where he's quoting Alan Jacobs from uh, Baylor. Look at this quote. This came out last fall. Culture catechizes, and, and again, I put in some parentheses in here to clarify, meaning instructs, trains, and shapes. If people are getting one kind of catechesis for half an hour per week, meaning on a Sunday morning, so think of kids, think of adults, and another for dozens of hours per week, so online, social media, etc., which one do you think will win out? Churches have barely better than a snowball's chance in hell of shaping most people's lives. Just the sheer time spent. And so it's something that we have to realize um, we have to be more intentional about. Because like even watching my grandkids, I can tell um, in their responses, because of being with them since since they've been born, you know, once, twice a week, what you can tell is when there's a change of either an attitude or a phrase that comes out of your mouth. And sometimes they'll say, hey, where did you learn that? Oh, so-and-so at school. Or I saw that on such-and-such show. And, you know, and that's my moment to be able to say, you know what? That makes somebody really feel bad. Did you know that? No, Papa, I didn't know that. Yeah. So when you say that, it makes somebody feel like they're little instead of like they're valuable. Oh, do you think that's a good idea? I don't. So how about we just kind of say, let's not do that anymore. Deal, this bump, deal. But it's in that moment. It's catching things in those moments. And then at the same time, modeling something completely different. But the world is trying to squeeze, you know, Romans 12 talks about squeezing it into its, them into its mold. 
and we we can get sucked in too, right? And so it's it's being aware of that. Like Laurie, what what are things that you see just in your walking with kids over the years, and even now, where do you see the world, if we could put it this way, kind of winning in the discipling of children? Yeah, they've they've done a really good job of marketing technology and and video games, phones. We heard so much good information yesterday, didn't we, on things that are impacting our kids. Um, I was thinking, you know, from the moment we're born, we are absorbing information and our minds are being shaped by environment, by those that are caring for us, whether it's family, guardian, you know, (coughs) whatever system, you know, that that we're in. And we have to look at that. That's our reality. Um, And so with all of that information coming in where we seem to be lacking is the spiritual component. And so what we, we have to realize that we, we can't keep our children from seeing the hate of the world, the evil of the world, and experiencing that. But what we can do is we can lay a foundation for them um, through relationship, through conversation, um, through example on the character ways and mission of Jesus. And, and when we do that, when they bump up against the hard stuff of life, then they're going to know how to respond rightly. And so we, so even though we have all of that impact coming against our kids that's, that's working to shape their minds, we just have to be that steady mm-hmm. that continues to teach them the ways of Jesus. Yeah. So again, I want you to hear that phrase, the ways of God or the ways of Jesus. How God goes about <laughs> doing something from Scripture, which means how he wants us to go about doing things. And it's paying attention to that. Okay, so what are the ways of Jesus? So, for example, one of the things we just, uh, by the way, we have a podcast. It's called Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God. And just two weeks ago, or was it this, was it the one that just came out this week on Hearing the Voice Mm -hmm. of God, just this this week? week. Mm -hmm. And so, Laurie and I and Sonia have been talking about that. So, talk to Talk to us, tell us a story or two about kids' experiences that you've had. Like I was sharing about Layla. What are some experiences where, you, where you've helped kids, whether it's through the Word or listening to the Holy Spirit, hear from God? And do you, do you believe they can? I do. I do. And our best biblical example, Dave referred to it earlier, was Samuel, Samuel and Eli. And I love how Eli had built a relationship with Samuel. So when Samuel was confused and didn't know, right? He went to Eli, like, what is this? And Eli then recognizes, oh, this is the Lord. And then we see that great example where the Lord spoke directly to Samuel. And I love Dave's story, which is one thing that really drew me into it, a story that he told you in the beginning from the children in in Hawaii. Um, so, So children can hear from the Lord. We just need to listen to them, and we need to model it for them. Um, one of the things we've talked about is how do we help them hear from the Lord? Well, we teach them to practice anything else that they learn in life, whether it's sports or music. I'm a piano teacher, so my kids aren't going to get better at playing the piano if they don't practice, right? So I think about that in, in, in our own life. We need to encourage children to practice hearing from the voice of the Lord. One of the pilots that we ran with our material that we're, that we're putting out, I had children sitting in a circle and I wanted them to practice hearing from the Lord. So we, we sat and I said, now before we speak, before we start to pray, I want you just to take 30 seconds, which is a long time for a child, right? But I want you just to sit and listen and see if the Lord speaks anything to you. And then I want you to speak that out. And so the first time I tried it, this one little gal, she just prayed the most heartfelt prayer about, I need help, my family needs help, Lord Jesus, will you come and help my family? Just so sincere. And I loved it, and it was emotional. I did it again the next week with a different group of kids, and this little one, um, no, well, so this next week, um, nobody spoke, and I was like in my head, oh dear, where are we going with this, you know? So I finally said, is anybody hearing anything? And the one little girl said, Mrs. Jarvis, I ain't got nothing. There's just nothing up there. And, and I, but that's okay, right? That's mm-hmm. practicing. Mm-hmm. We're giving them opportunity to practice. And I think, you know, when they're telling us that they're hearing from the Lord, we need to encourage that. Just like Dave encouraged the little girl in Hawaii, we need to encourage it. You know, the measure is the standard of the Word of God. If they're telling us that they've heard something from the Lord that goes against the Scripture, 
you know, we need to redirect that. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to harm anything if they're telling us, you know, Jesus wants me to bake cookies for my neighbor. Wonderful. That's biblical. Let's do it. Right. And so I think that's how we can help them just begin to recognize the voice of the Lord. And the more they do it, the more they'll recognize the voice of the Lord. Right. The scripture says that my sheep know my voice. And I think the more we practice that and the more we, we create that environment, the easier and more comfortable the kids will be to speak out. But it's all about our relationship and our leading of them. So we have to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we make mistakes as adults. We're not perfect at it. So it's okay that they're not too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and this is one of the issues, you know, I know we all represent various denominational backgrounds and experiences in this room. And so for some of you, even as we're talking about hearing from God, you know, like my grounding growing up in the Lutheran church was the way God speaks is through the word, period. And it wasn't until my missionary experience and I'm on the go that I needed to hear the Lord on the go. And so all of a sudden, when I look in the book of Acts, you know, where the you know, the disciples didn't, they couldn't run down to the Jerusalem Christian bookstore and pick up a Bible. They had to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay. And oftentimes we don't think about that. We have stories in there like Philip, when the Holy Spirit, it says the Spirit said to him, you know, go up to that chariot, you know, or we, or we see Peter, you know, who the Holy Spirit says as he's praying one day outside, go downstairs. There's three guys there. Go, go with them without hesitation. And he obeys that prompting. And so I think one of the things that's really cool about discipling children is it pushes us. It pushes us as adults. Where's my own walk with the Lord? As we we're developing this material, Lori and I referenced several times, we've got to think this through because there's going to be parents that are going to be challenged by this. So we created something, and we'll show you one called Parent Prompts, that how can we help parents know how to apply this thing to their child's life? So... It's a wonderful thing when your child in that moment in time is a step further ahead than us and is challenging us. And that's something that shouldn't make us insecure. It should be rather something we rejoice like, yes, they see it. They're being responsive to God. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. So kids can be in the word and learn how to hear from God. One of the things you're going to find that we constantly encourage is taking the thing that's learned and pressing it to obedience. Like, okay, okay, that's awesome. So how do you think Jesus would have you obey that in your life? Yesterday we talked about Matthew 7 and how Jesus said, those who hear my word and do it, parentheses, obedience, are wise men who build their house on the rock. Those who hear my word, same premise, and don't do it, parentheses, disobedience, are foolish men who build it on sand. And we were talking about how we, we need to learn that when the Lord reveals something to us, we need to be responsive. If I get a little dramatic, I'll say, if the God of Mars and molecules has taken the time to show you something, don't you think it's important to listen and be responsive? See? And it is. We've got to do that in our lives to model that for children. Okay? So, Laurie, in Discipleship Journey, we deal with concepts like humility, uh, the fear of the Lord, even a sense of, um, to help people understand in simple language what the atonement is, repentance, forgiveness. So do you think, because oftentimes that stuff's not talked about with children. We'll do the Bible stories, which is huge, to lay the foundation, but we often avoid subjects that we think are more adult. What, like, what's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think that children understand more than we give them credit for. Um, I'm going to refer back to my piano lessons again. So I teach anywhere from two and a half to, you know, 90 years old I've had as a student. And I don't talk to the two and a half year old, if you can believe it, any different than I talk to the adult. Because they need to learn the same concepts. Their, their end result is the same. And so just in watching how my little ones can absorb those musical concepts as my older adults can, um, I can apply that to the spiritual world too. And, and children are, are so um, ready to accept what we tell them. So, so when we give definitions or we give examples, they have so much faith and trust in us that they're like, okay, this is the way it is. Where, you know, is it when you, by the time you get to an adult, you're a little bit more questioning of, well, what do you mean by that? And so if we begin to use the language with the children when they're young, it's not going to seem so foreign to them as they grow older. It will just become part of their world. And so I think, I think that's important. So when we deal with, so this is what the kids edition looks like. And we're going to show you, we have two little characters in animation, AD and J. So when people use discipleship journey, they reduce a discipleship journey to the initials ADJ. So we created two characters, AD and J. All right. So in this book, you, you chose to use, in, in um, atonement, you chose to use the concept of a bridge. Mm -hmm. So explain how did you, because here we're, you know, this huge concept of atonement, Jesus dying in our place, and how do you explain that to a kid, okay, a six-year-old? So kind of talk about how you got there and, and maybe how you did that particular one. <laughs> so, yeah, so we used... Um, we used a bridge to help explain that Jesus bridges the gap between God and man. And we created a scene on an island where disaster is going to happen and they need to get across, but they can't get across because the bridge is broken. And so then we bring in the story of Jesus and explain that God can't, I mean, man can't get to God anymore because of this broken relationship. And so how God, um, um, through the story of Jesus, through Jesus dying on the cross, restores that, that gap, that bridge between, between God and man. Yeah. So it's trying to take concepts, like another one that's really important is humility. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. How do you explain humility to a child? And so one of the language pieces we use is humility is a willingness to be known for who you really are. Okay, so it's not, in other words, it's not wearing masks and it's not hiding. And, and humility is both like, um, let's say you invited me over to your house for dinner and, and you're just showing me around and here's your living room and your family room, here's our bedroom, here's the kitchen. And then you take me into this little room on the side and it's, you know, it's, let's just say it's kind of like this little corner over here. And when we walk in, and you're kind of quick to just say, yeah, and there's this room. And, and in this room, she's got like three or four layers of shelves. And, and on those shelves are over 100 tennis trophies. And they're not the I participated. They're like grand champion, first place, all state. And you're looking at this and you're going, tell me your first name. Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, I had no idea that you were such a great tennis player. Well, see, we think humility looks like this. I'm not. <laughs> But look at my trophies, you know, humility is a willingness to be known for you, who you really are. So Amelia, a, a humble response would be, you know what? I, I'm pretty good at it and I really like it. I really enjoy it. See, humility is a willingness to be known for who you really are. Like God gave her in our story here, the ability to be an amazing tennis player. So you have to say, you have to steward, God gave me this. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is why we can't get people mobilized because I got people that say, They've got mercy gifts. I'd love to do hospital runs. I'd love to go meet with people who are sick. But because we're waiting for the pastor, someone to go, oh, you have a mercy gift, don't you? You know, we never step out. But part of humility is recognizing this is how God made me. Ooh, 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 can I do it? Can I go? I'd like to go serve there. As well as humility being where you're struggling. Okay, like I meet with three guys, Jim, Dan, and Bruce, about every four to six weeks. We've done this since 2016 excuse me, 2006 for 16 years. And it's a place where we walk in humility with each other. We cheer each other on on wins, but when there's struggles, 
We're there for each other. What are you wrestling with? There's tears shed. There's encouragement given. So humility is not just being willing to be known for where you're struggling. It's also a willingness to be known for who you are, where you're good. So Baron, my eight-year-old grandson, one of the languages that his dad has chosen to use with him when it comes to things he do, does well is he says, Baron, those are your superpowers. Like Baron's really good bridging things with kids. So, you know, not long ago, there was a child who something had happened and they, he could tell they got emotionally wounded. And because Baron has the superpower of sensitivity to people, I see Baron over there like this. Are you okay? Like a seven-year-old. Are you, are you okay? And then afterwards we can say, wait, to use your superpowers. See? And that's, our, that's kind of our way as a family with all our grandkids. We say, you got this superpower of, it's kind of the way we'd say, you got this gift of. You got this thing God's doing in you. This is your superpower. It's one of your superpowers. And can, you can use it to glorify God and to really help people. Way to go. See? And, and it's, it's taking concepts and breaking them down. So like humility, it's, so Baron, thank you that God gifted you that way. You recognize it and you engage that superpower in a moment when it needed to be engaged. But there's also the time, you know, that when he needs to look me in the eyes and say, Papa, I'm sorry, I, I said that. And so it's helping him learn to exercise humility as a six, seven, eight-year-old. Okay? And so what we're trying to do is take the ways of God and these concepts and break them down in such a way that they're digestible for a child. Okay? So some of them not, are not easy, and we had to really think through, you know, okay, how do we, you know, how do we want to approach this? What's the best way to do it? But it's worth it's worth the wrestle. So before we show them a little clip of this, um, Laurie, let me ask you this question. Because this was part of the beginning. Laurie knew in my heart that, um, and I said this yesterday, it's time we stop being, you know, people who make disciples. We need to stop that. Because what we're supposed to be doing is making disciple makers. And often what happens, we disciple someone, then, okay, we're done with the tool or whatever, go. No, we're really not done until we know that person can reproduce. Okay, otherwise you stop. You kind of stop the flow there. So you want to make sure they become good reproducers. So Laurie and I were talking about this, and I was delighted and early on when she said, "We know I believe kids can become disciple makers." So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that was really what impacted me that first time that I was exposed to all of this, and um, just really had a passion. I really believe kids can be disciple makers, and so I want to share. Um, a story um, of a group of six-year-olds that I worked with. And it was in a school setting. It was a Christian school, and we were talking about baptism. And um, of the group that was there, I had a child never having been exposed to church at all. I had a good old Pentecostal little six-year-old. I had a Greek Orthodox, and I had um, a staunch Catholic at six years old. She She was firm in this. And so we were talking about baptism, and kids have the ability to say things that we're not willing to do because we're trying to be make everybody feel good, right? And so little Serafina, she expressed that she had been baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. Well, my little six-year-old Lily, Pentecostal little girl, said, you're not baptized. That doesn't count. You can't. I, and in my, so I was teacher and administrator. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, the parents are going to be so angry with me. This parent's going to be saying, well, that's the truth. And this other parent's going to be saying, well, that's the truth. And what are you going to do about it? Right? So I navigated my way through it. We went back to the scriptures. We looked at what it said. And I just left it at that exclamation point. I don't, I don't know what else to do with it at that point. But let me tell you, like all these years later, I look at their lives now. So Serafina is the most amazing example because that one statement, and she'll tell you, she's 18 or 17. She's just turned 17. Um, she'll tell you that one moment is what started her journey into figuring out who God was, being challenged at six years old that you weren't really baptized. So her... Um, her, all of her immediate family, which were Catholic, have now gotten saved and are living for Jesus. Um, her dad is a, a board member. Her sister's going to be a medical missionary. 
Um, and they, they were all older. And it took a couple of years, but her mom finally came to the altar and gave her life to Jesus, too, from this, from this one moment that this little Pentecostal girl challenged this little Catholic girl. The Greek Orthodox young man, um, he started a journey that, in, that challenged his mom. And his mom eventually asked me to mentor her and walk her through who is Jesus and what is this all about. And the little girl who had never been church, she is faithfully attending church now. And they will all tell you that it's because of that one conversation. So can children disciple children? Yes, when they are equipped to know the word of God, when they're equipped to know God's character, his ways, and his mission, they can speak life into situations. Many times, they're going to be bolder than we are. Um, and I love that. I love that as a story for us to see all these years, how impactful it can be. Um, I, I believe as children walk through this material or any material that with the right leadership, they can lead other groups of kids. And we've piloted some of that too, um, in the school that I, that I worked, uh, that I work for. And it was a lot of fun to see these kids asking other children, so what did the Holy Spirit speak to you this week? And encouraging them then on that. And then they would talk in a group. Okay, how can we, how can we be obedient to what this, child is hearing so yeah and so Lori also did some things where we tried older kids like 11 and 12 year olds sure mm -hmm. giving leadership to like six and seven year olds mm -hmm. in a group of course parents around and you know watching and all that so it just doesn't get off on rabbit trails but but imagine so just think about this with me imagine an eight or nine year old catching a vision to invest the ways of God into children and they do that through junior high and high school. Don't you think they stand a better chance when they go to college? That they'll actually have a vision to make an impact on their college campus. Like, okay, so here I am at such and such university. Who can I be discipling? It changes their paradigm. So sometimes we've had kids in a little box. And we've got to let Jesus be big in them. Okay? So let me, let me just show you this. Can you put up that next slide? It's a beautiful golf course here in Nashville it's called <laughs> Legends, if you want to play there, all right? So, yeah, the next shot slide should be um, kind of the image of, there we go. So, just so you can kind of see, so I'm, I'm just going to take a moment to introduce this tool to you, just so you're aware of it, all right? So, chapter 1 to 12, this, this matches in parentheses, is the name of the chapter in the adult edition, and then it's kind of the kids edition. So... You know, becoming God's friend, living as a disciple of Jesus, God's great gift to us. Here's the atonement and repentance and forgiveness, God's bridge to us. You know, and you'll just see some of the topics, you know, that we're dealing with there in, in this manual. And so the idea behind it is just to, to begin to help people kind of catch a vision for it. If you look at this next slide, these are the five pieces that make up the series. Now, let me just tell you this. So as we were creating this, one of the things that I did is I talked to some children's workers, children's pastors, and I said, like, what's good, what's bad about stuff you use? And here was one of the things that I got, and see, see if there's not a smile on your face with them. They said, we always order so much material to send home with the parents. And they said, we know where it ends up, in the garbage. And they just, so it's a waste of money, it's a waste of resources. So they said, do something simple. So what we've done, and we're going to show you the animated series here in a minute, and then there's the ADJK manual, Discipleship Journey Kids. There's a take-home card. Like, this is what they take home. So there's 48 of them in here. And so there's the image of AD and J, and the ep it, it matches the episode. All right? And on the back, it talks about what did the Lord show you through your lesson? And the second question is, how are you going to obey this in your life? So, so imagine them taking this home from Sunday school and, you know, to mom and dad, mom and dad. And, and if the child's younger, they can draw on it. If it's something where they can, they can write on it. But then mom and dad know what their takeaway was and can be helping to apply it that way. If it's, if it's parents using it in the home, you can just take this thing and you put it by their bedside stand. So all that week, they can, you, when you're putting them in the bed, you can be like, hey, remember, how did that go today? Remember, you're learning how to walk well under authority so you honor the Lord. How did that go with your PE coach today who kind of has been a pain to you? How did that go? Because, see, then you're starting to see transformation begin to come in their lives. All right? Then we have the parent prompt, which will show you one of those. And then the, if you go back, yeah. And then we have a facilitator's guide that is immaculate. 
And so you don't have to go, what do I do? It is, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a children's pastor, it's got all kinds of things, practical suggestions on how do you illustrate this in such a way to make it live. So it's, it's very, very practical. So let me show you a video. And so, Laura, this will be the animation series. So this is from chapter 11, lesson two, and it's on, it's on spiritual gifts. Like how do, how do kids, how do kids, you know, kind of catch a vision that Jesus has given them something. You know, we were talked about that earlier. I was illustrating that. And so I just want to show you a way that you can do this. So again, let me back this up. AD and J, they're, they're really, it's not said or stated, but they're really like adopted children. Uh, 80s, like 12, and she's kind of Caucasian, Asian with red hair. And you've got Jay, who is eight, rambunctious, and is kind of the um, African-American, Hispanic, Polynesian kid, you know. And, um, and they, they go on adventures, and they're all about two to three minutes long. And, uh, and in those adventures, this is how usually a lesson starts. They get captivated by 80 and Jay. And then it drives them kind of into the content. So let me show you this one. Again, this one is on, on discovering the gifts that are inside of you. Land ahoy! Let down the rowboat. I'm going to check out the new land. Captains don't know the rowboat. You do it. Arr, I am the captain. Mutiny! You're not the captain. I'm the captain. I'm the one who thought of playing pirate ship in the first place. I'm not surrendering my ship to the likes of you. I'm good. I'm going to make you walk the plank. So there. Who's the captain now? I am. No, I am. What is going on? I could hear you from the kitchen. Well, it looks to me like we might have too many captains on this boat. It's called a ship, Mom. Of course. Sorry. Couldn't hear you two. You two always seem to fight over who's in charge when you try to play together. He won't even listen to me, Mom. She's so bossy. Do you know why you two fight so much? Because he's so annoying. Because she wants to do everything her way. I think it's because you share some of the same spiritual gifts. You're both leaders. You were both born to take charge and lead others. It's a gift from God. Is that why I always get picked to lead everything in my class at school? Probably. Is that why I don't like to be told what to do? Well, maybe it's part of the reason. <laughs> so what can we do? I don't like to fight with Jay. I love him. I don't like fighting with AD either. I think it helps when you know the spiritual gift in someone. Now AD knows that God designed Jay to be a leader. And Jay knows AD's been designed by God to lead as well. Now all you have to do is give one another a chance to lead. How do we do that? Well, you can begin by asking for one another's opinion before making decisions. You can also choose to let the other person lead sometimes without trying to take over. That's a hard one. It's a lot easier than fighting all the time and hurting one another. And it also helps you learn to be a good follower. Amy, maybe we can lower the rowboat together. Sure, we can take turns leading. That's a great idea. Mom? Yes, Jay? Thanks for helping us with your special gift. Yes, thanks for using your teaching gift to help us to work together. I think God knew we would need a teacher in our family. I think you might be right, Adie. Good job, Captain Mom. <laughs> Arr, and now I'm going to make both of you walk the plank. <laughs> so, so there's, in two and a half minutes, a way to help kids realize there's something in you. And see, oftentimes we don't pause when people are rubbing each other the wrong way to realize maybe mutual gifts are hitting into each other. And so Captain Mom comes into the rescue, all right? So there's a little card here that has that last image on it that you saw that they take home. And so they will remember that story from that image of Adie and Jane. And it begins to let the parents have a conversation. So now, let's just say this was done you know, in some small group at church or whatever. They bring the card home. If you go to, and we'll show you how to get there, but if you go to, to your app store, there's a free app. It's, it's Lion Share Leadership Group. And on that app, there's um, daily devotions on the character of God. Matter of fact, if you go through the whole thing in a year, you'll cover 101 attributes of God's character three to four days each in two minutes. 
and renew your mind based on scripture about what God says about himself. It's for you, it's for your kids, but also we have our parent prompts on there. So the, the lesson, the parent prompt that goes with this lesson looks like this. So you can kind of see, so mom and dad, your kids have seen that about 80 and J. And then this is what you would watch on the app to give you instructions, a little summary of the story because mom and dad didn't see it, and then an application point. Disciples need to learn when to lead and when to follow. In this week's adventure, AD and J are playing pirates in the treehouse until they get in an argument about who is the captain. Arr. Their mom arrives and asks what they're yelling about, and AD and J both blame the other for being bossy and annoying and not listening. They each want to be in charge. Their mom explains that they are both created to be leaders. That's why they are often chosen to lead at school but it's also why they might find it hard to follow others sometimes. They need to learn to give each other the opportunity to lead. That's also how they can learn to be a good follower. The kids say that God knew they needed a teacher in their family and they are glad he gave that gift to mom. Take some time this week to talk about leading and following. Each of you take a turn naming someone who you follow, like a teacher, a parent, or your boss, and someone who you lead, a peer, a child, or a sibling. Maybe even add a little follow the leader game in just for fun. And then up comes the memory verse for the week. So mom and dad know the simple memory verse to be reinforcing for the next seven days. So it's that simple. And it's meant to be simple so that anybody can do it. So, so let me just open it up. Questions? Yeah, five minutes. So we got five minutes. So questions that you might have just in things that we've shared about discipling children. If you have questions about the actual resource itself, you're more than welcome to ask that. So what what things come to your heart and mind that you might want to ask about? Yeah, when it, so when it comes to, I, I love, man, just love hearing all this. When it comes to like actually implementing this in our church environment, like I'm not the children's minister. Yep. I don't, um, and I don't know if like our children's minister is quite caught into like the, to that vision yet. Yes. So what what does that look like? How do we? How can you influence? Yeah. Um, our children's ministry maybe start making some moves towards taking a more discipleship focus. Yeah, that's a great question. You want to respond to that, Laurie? Are you the senior pastor? Uh, no, no, I work with our youth ministry. Okay, with the youth ministry. Um, so I would have them contact me because I can talk about the journey that I'm, yeah. that I've been on with them, right? Um, but I just, I think just having conversations, the material that Barna has put out is excellent to look, to look at if you've not been exposed to this and type of recent, child, right? mm -hmm, this type of child discipleship. It's, it's a powerful tool. Um, to, you know, to look at. But I would just encourage them that the, the importance of leading children in the character, ways, and mission of Jesus and to really take a look at what they're doing. There. Yeah. The other thing, too, that can go a long way is as you are discipling within your youth ministry and other ministries sees the fruit of what you're doing, they're going to start coming, knocking at your door. Like, how are your kids growing in spiritual maturity? How And so you're modeling of it in your area that... Because that's all you can do is be responsible for your area. Yeah. But it causes other areas of ministry. And I've watched that happen in churches where they kind of peek and go like, we're not doing this. How are you? And then it opens the door for them to hear. So that's another way. Yeah, that's good. One of the things I don't remember that we mentioned is, um, I do know we mentioned that this aligns perfectly with the adult version, which can also be used for high school. Um, and so it's a great family tool, whether you run it in your church or you encourage families to use it. Because can you imagine a world where parents are saying to their kids, hey, this is what I heard from the Lord this week. And then the children are saying, but dad, I heard this from the Lord. And they're, they're working together as a family to be obedient to the things that God is leading them in. So it's an excellent family tool. Yeah. So, so you guys know, for those of you that are pastors, um, you can use this Sunday school, you can use, the, you know, families can use it, or there can be a bridge where you, because most churches don't have something they can point to and say, if you are serious about family discipleship, here's a tool we want to recommend. 
And then that provides you not having to pay for it. You're not having to get engaged in all. And just so you guys know, it's it's very inexpensive, like per child. So I want you to catch this. Sunday school teachers or children's pastors always kind of the jaws often drop because of how inexpensive. It's $29.95. What that does, plus $2.99 as a family to watch the videos. That's it. That's 18 months worth of material. Okay, so for twenty nine ninety five or ninety nine, sorry, Darren, <laughs> you, you get you get this, you get that, you get the parent prompts, you get the facilitator's guide, and then you just pay the extra two ninety nine as a family a month to have access to these on Vimeo. All right, that's it. So I mean, when you think about that for a child, that's like less than a dollar a week of trying to disciple them. So it's just very very inexpensive. We made it that way so people can have access to it. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. I'm a lay person, um, and I have a premise, so I just want to run it by you all yeah. to see if it's valid, um, because I'm just working through a lot of this. Um, if a child, or when a child is old enough and does just make a decision for Christ, and that could be at any age, four, sure. five, six, 13, whatever, when they've done that, then we have the responsibility to disciple them. If they, if they can make a decision for Christ, then they need to be discipled. Hundred percent. Right track. Hundred percent. Okay. Because you have, you know, children's ministry is doing whatever it's doing, and you're trying to make a shift here. You're trying to make a change. Yeah. To this thing called discipling. Them, yeah. Which a lot of parents might not even understand themselves because exactly. they were not discipled. That's exactly right. Yeah. There's a little swimming upstream going on right now, but it's a good thing, and it's like somebody was saying, you know, yesterday. Uh, in one of our leader meetings, we got to give the next ten years for this new operating system of discipleship to have its way. And, and the reality is, like, like many kids at our vacation Bible school this summer gave their lives to Jesus. And we celebrate that, and we should, because it's celebrated in heaven, right? But that's where we often stop. Okay, they're saved. They're good. Like, if I was a referee, I'd throw the penalty flag. You know, that's a penalty. No, that's not the case. That's the starting point. Their eternal destiny is now determined, but what about the God-given calling on their life? which is going to come by the investing. So you're exactly right. Keep preaching that and practicing that. That's awesome. Speaking of that, <clears throat> so if you have a family and you're going through it as a family, but you have a six-year-old who hasn't asked Jesus in the heart yet, do you start taking them through the book or do you wait until they actually made the decision? So let me just repeat the question for this. So if you have a family that's going through this, but let's say you have a six-year-old that doesn't yet know the Lord, do you include them and start taking them through this as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because that's where they're going to start to have that knowledge revealed to them. And what starts as head knowledge will turn to heart knowledge. You can't help but hear the gospel and want to respond, especially as children, right? That's, the, that's when we're most open. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hey, so you guys know, Laurie is our Discipleship Journey Kids coach. You can reach her at Laurie, L-A-U-R-I, at lionshare.org. But come and talk to her here if you want to have more contact with her because she can coach you, whether as a family, as a church, on how to maximize this for kids' sake. Okay? Thank you guys for coming. We're glad you're here. We've got some of our resources here. You'll see our table out kind of on the upper deck up there. So thank you guys for coming to hang with us. Thank you. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to that episode. I hope that it was helpful to you. Just want to let you know I've got one more episode coming out for the rest of this year, and it will drop in a couple of days. If you want to be reminded of when it comes out, click the subscribe button on this channel right now, and then you'll know when it comes out. Otherwise, we're going to do one more episode and then take a break for the rest of the year to enjoy Christmas and New Year's with our families. Okay, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.
Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community. For disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today.